Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are going to be in the book of Genesis and also the book of Exodus. And we're going to wind up in the New Testament today. So let's go ahead and pray and we'll get right into the word of God. Father, we're so thankful today for your word. And Lord, we lift up your word Father God, we ask the Holy Spirit come alongside of us to give us understanding concerning uh, the, the wonderful things that are in the Word of God that you have for us today. And Father, we'll give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Well, we're going to be talking about fellowship today, and we're going to be talking about uh, the fellowship that we have in union with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and how that uh, this union with Christ is not a new thing. Uh, God began at the very beginning, and we're going to read some scriptures over in the book of Genesis that describe uh, one of the reasons that uh, God created the heaven and the earth and created his man. And so we're going to be looking at the law of first things. And one of the law of first things is fellowship and how that God created man because one of the reasons why he had a desire to walk with man. And we're going to find out over in the New Testament that God created the church. Well, God, one of the reasons why God created the church was for doctrine and for fellowship. And we're going to look at that in, in a little bit. But I want to go ahead and read to you a couple passages of Scripture over in uh, Genesis, uh, beginning in chapter 2 and verse 7. It says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Above all of creation, God created man on a level that he could communicate with, that he could fellowship with. Well, how do you know that? Well, we're going to find that out in just a moment or two. Now, notice verse 8, And the Lord God planted a, guard, a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And of course, we know the garden. Uh, it grew, you know, trees uh, pleasant to the sight, good for food, uh, the tree of life and also the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and also the rivers that extended through uh, the garden. And it was just uh, great, great creation. As a matter of fact, when God had completed his creation, he saw everything and behold, it was very good. And then we go over to Genesis chapter three. And of course, this describes the fall of man. But there's some things in here I want us to see uh, that relate to what we're going to be uh, looking at today and in, uh, in, uh, in this study, in this session. Uh, verse eight of Genesis chapter three says this, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. This is after both of them had uh, uh, rebelled against the commandment of the Lord. But notice what verse 8 says. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The Lord God, God himself walking in the garden, uh, who, which he created for his man, Adam, in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. That's because uh, their spirit now had fallen. And, and But notice verse 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? 
So here we have an idea. Here we have a picture of one of the reasons why God created the heaven and the earth. And then the crown of his creation was man. He desired fellowship. Amen. Praise God. And yet we see this uh, throughout the Old Testament. And also we see it in the New Testament also. And uh, Revelation chapter three. Uh, verses 15 and 16. This is uh, uh, John's record of the letter that uh, Jesus gave him to send to the churches. Of course, this is the church of Laodicea. And notice what Jesus says. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold or hot. I would that ye were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm, neither cold or hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Now, this is not God's plan for the church. Uh, It's obvious. We know that Uh, God wants the church to be fervent in all things, uh, fervent in the word, fervent in prayer. Well, all that uh, communicates to us fellowship. And the fact that this church had lost that fervor for fellowship Uh, Jesus rebuked them. And so we have to go back. Now, this is the very end of the of the revelation uh, of the Bible. Uh, You know, the Bible is a library. It's a library concerning 66 books. And so all 66 books now are very important, not just part of them, but all of them are important if we're going to know the word of God. And so we're going to go back to the book of Exodus. Now, we've been in Genesis and we know Exodus was the book of deliverance, uh, how that God brought uh, with a mighty hand uh, the children of Israel out of Egypt and he is directing them towards the promised land. But I want you to notice some passages of scripture that point to the very subject that we are studying in this session. Notice Exodus chapter 11. Uh, in verses four through seven, now the, the Lord tells Moses uh, what's going to happen uh, to all the firstborn of Egypt, uh, that they're going to die of a plague in a single night. Uh, think about how many thousands of uh, firstborn children, uh, firstborn males, uh, firstborn of families are going to pass away in a single night. But now the Lord says this to the Israelites, and this is in verse seven. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast that you may know how that the Lord does put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Now, in this text, Egyptians is a type of the world. Uh, And when I say the world, I'm talking about every human being that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, that doesn't know God the Father. Amen. Uh, And I don't care if they're a Gentile. I don't care if they're a Jew. If if they have not received Jesus as Messiah, they really don't know the Father. Because Jesus said this. He said it to Philip. He says, me and my father, we're one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen. Praise God. So in this context, uh, Egypt is a type of the world, the world that doesn't know Christ as Savior. And Israel then would be a type of the church. Now, I'm not saying that Israel is 
the, the church and, and Israel, Zion, for instance, uh, is uh, the church has replaced Israel. I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in this context that Israel then is a type of the church. If Egypt is a type of the world, then Israel then in this text is a type or in this context rather is a type of the church. And we know that uh, Paul said these words to the Corinthian church in chapter 10 and verse 32. He is talking about give not offense neither to the Jew, neither to the Gentile, nor the church of God. So and I know in this modern world today, we think we're so intelligent. We think we're so smart that we've uh, we've given uh, anywhere from 40 to 70 pronouns to uh, whoever uh, wants to be named by. If they want to be called they, they can. If they want to be called we, they can. You know, I mean, this is just insanity. If, if this thing would have cropped up 20 years ago, the people proposing it uh, would have been locked up in an insane asylum. If it was insane, then it's insane now. But God has made things very, very simple for us and easy for us to understand. There's only three groups of people that the Bible talks about, and that is the Jew, that is the Gentile, and that is the church of God. Uh, The Jew cannot be a Gentile. A Gentile cannot be a Jew, but both Jew and Gentile become uh, the church of God. And once a Jew gets born again or a Gentile gets born again and they become part of the church of God, then they cease being a Jew and they cease being a Gentile. They become a child of the almighty God. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So God makes things very simple uh, for us to understand. And of course, you know, we have to uh, confuse them to make it difficult uh, for people to see these things. But notice here that God puts a difference between the Egyptians, between the world and between Israel, between the church. There is a difference. Amen. Praise God. We have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. He has separated us out of the world into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or we could say it this way, into the kingdom of God. Amen. And that's exactly what uh, we read in in the book of Exodus. God, uh, through the plagues uh, that he uh, foisted upon uh, the nation of Egypt, the empire of Egypt, he brought the children of Israel. Israel out of uh, bondage uh, with a mighty hand and uh, began to lead them into the promised land. But now in Exodus chapter 19, uh, this is something that the Lord says uh, to uh, Moses. Now notice that God calls Moses in this chapter, he calls him up to Mount Sinai. Now they've made the journey out of Egypt uh, to Mount Sinai. And uh, and God speaks to Moses and he says this. He says, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagles wings and notices and brought you unto myself. You, brother, you, sister, in virtue of the fact that you have been born again, Through the blood of Jesus Christ, you have now become a peculiar people. That which God began to do in Israel many years ago, he has fulfilled in the fact that now the church of God uh, consists of both Jew and Gentile. Read Ephesians chapter 3. 
When Paul is talking about the union of the Jew and the Gentile, he's talking about the church of God. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Gentiles, we're not part of Israel. We are part of Israel and that we have been grafted in. But that part uh, that has been grafted in is called the church of the living God. Amen. Church of God. Praise the Lord. Amen. There is a there is a natural Israel and there is a spiritual Israel. There is a natural church, but there is also a spiritual church. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so we see how the Lord says to Moses, speaking concerning the children of Israel, that uh, I bear you on eagles' wings and I brought you unto myself. Now, that's very significant. Amen. Concerning uh, the, the plan and the purpose of God in redemption. God brought you unto himself. And we can say that in the world today. God brings sinners, amen, saves them and brings them unto himself. For what purpose? Well, because he desires a family. We are the family of God. Amen. Remember Adam and Eve. He, the, he instituted marriage between man and a woman. And it's only recognized, the only marriage that God recognizes is a marriage that's made to glorify him between one man and one woman. Not two men and one woman. Not one man and two women. Not two men, not two women. One man and one woman. And that's it. That's the only marriage that God recognizes. Every other marriage that uh, this world recognizes, amen, God does not recognize. Why? Because God has placed a difference between the world and the church. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. And like I said, there is a worldly church, but there's also the grafted in church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. And so when the, the when God told Moses, I bear you on eagle's wings, what was he speaking of in context uh, to us today? How do we understand that? Well, Jesus said these words. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up. And notice what else Jesus said. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. That's out of John chapter 3, verse 14, and John chapter 12, verse 32. Praise God. Hallelujah. We have been lifted up. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Praise God. So we're drawn to the cross. And it's on the cross that we're identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of our sins are placed upon him. Praise God. And all the ordinances, everything that God had against us, we as violent, amen, and unfruitful lawbreakers, all of that in the past, all of our past sins were washed away in the blood of Jesus. We identified, God identified us. With the element of faith. Now we've got to have faith. God identified us, amen, on the cross with Jesus. And it's through receiving him as Savior and Lord that all of that becomes real to us. See, the Holy Spirit has got to make it real to us in order for it to take effect. So we're identified with Jesus in his death. We're identified with Jesus in his burial. And we are most certainly identified with Jesus in his resurrection. Praise God. Amen. And now moving forward through the book of Exodus, notice something else 
that uh, that uh, Moses records in Exodus chapter five and verses one through eight. Now, the Lord is telling Moses now to tell the people, amen, to bring him an offering of many things so that they would build him a tabernacle. And of course, you know, you go back and you read the, the 25th chapter in the first eight verses and uh, uh, the Lord God describes to Moses what type of things that he wants the children of Israel uh, to donate for the building of the tabernacle. What is the purpose of the tabernacle? Notice this, so that they would build him a tabernacle in the wilderness so that I may dwell among them. See, God is a family man and he has a big, big family. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, his family is so big that his family is in heaven and his family is on the earth. His family involves the Jew and the Gentile. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. And you see, and we see the fulfillment of this that God originally began through Christ because we have become the temple of the living God. We have become the tabernacle of God and that the spirit of God dwells in us. Well, if the spirit of God dwells in us, that means God the Father dwells in us, and that means God the Son dwells in us. We have the entire Godhead living on the inside of us. Well, how do you know that, Brother John? Because you can't separate God the Father from God the Son, and you can't separate God the Son, God from the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of God. The, the Holy Spirit is also called the Spirit of Christ. So how are you going to divide them? Well, you can't. So if the Holy Ghost lives in us, then God the Father and God the Son lives in us. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. And that's exactly what Paul tells us in Colossians, the second chapter. Notice verses 9 and 10. Notice what it says. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's the Godhead, friend. Praise God. Amen. And notice verse 10, you are complete in him. Now, what in the world does that mean? <laughs> Amen. Praise God. I have preached myself happy. Notice this. He says, which is the head of all principality and power, meaning that the Lord began what he began at first. He's fulfilled in the believer individually and in the church corporately. Praise God. And we know this, that the Lord through the spirit does not dwell with us, not only dwells with us, but he also dwells in us. Praise God. So what are we talking about here in verse 10? That in Christ, we also have been filled with the Godhead, with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and we reach full spiritual stature. Now think about that. We're striving for perfection. Well, then we're going to make it. Are you perfect now? No. Am I perfect now? No. Amen. We have these physical bodies. 
But one day this, this mortal is going to put on immortality. One day this corruption is going to put on incorruption. Praise God. We're going to pass through the fire of purification and we're going to come out perfect on the other side. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. That's who we are. Now, what has God designed this for? One of the reasons he designed it this way is because he wants a family. He desired a family. He wants to fellowship with you, praise God. As a matter of fact, Paul said it this way. He said, may the love of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Communion of the Holy Spirit could also say the fellowship, the participation of the partnership with the Holy Spirit be with you always. Praise God. Hallelujah. There is a continual flow from the throne of the Father God coming down from Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit to each and every believer of his love, of his grace, and of his mercy, and he does, and his desire uh, to fellowship with you, to commune with you, and have you commune with him. Remember what Jesus said to John to tell the churches. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens that door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he will sup with me. That's God's desire. God desires you, brother. God desires you, sister. He wants to have communion and fellowship with you. Hallelujah. He wants to walk into your room and he wants to sit down, praise God, and he wants to have fellowship with you. I remember many years ago when I was working a secular job and and I, I was on the uh, the midnight shift and and I was into golf back then and I enjoyed playing and and uh, I, I was I was in a time of prayer I was in a time of real close communion with the Lord and uh, I would get off uh, work you know, a little after eight o'clock. Well, there was a golf course uh, just a few miles north of where I worked. And so uh, that night I would, you know, load my golf clubs in the car. And then after work, I'd just go out there and, and uh, pay my greens fees and, and just walk the course. Well, many a day I'd walk out there and I'd be the only one on the course. I'd have the whole golf course to myself. And I remember I'd go out there and I'd start praying and, and I'd tee off and I'd walk down the fairways and just praying, just fellowshipping with God. Well, you know, there's a few days that... Uh, I just sensed as I was walking and I was praying that Jesus was just walking with me. It's almost like his pleasure. He took pleasure in the fact that we were walking together down that golf course. Kind of reminds me of uh, uh, the, the two disciples that uh, uh, Jesus came alongside of them on the road to Emmaus. Oh, praise God. I'm telling you, folks. God so desires to fellowship with us. And I hope we have that same desire to fellowship with him. Praise God. Amen. Now, let's talk some things uh, concerning uh, going back to the book of Exodus now. And we're going to look at uh, some things that that uh, that God instructed Moses concerning. And we're just going to go through Exodus chapter 30, a summary of it real quick. 
And uh, in, in verses 1 through 10, uh, the Lord God describes the altar. And he says the altar, of course, you know, is a, is a place in, which is built uh, to sacrifice upon. And then in verses 11 through 16, he talks about the sanctuary shekel. And he talks of numbering Israel. And he talks about each male was the, there's a certain amount of money, a shekel that he was to contribute. And then in verses 17 through 21, uh, the Lord God describes to Moses the labor. And the labor was for the priests to wash their hands and their feet. And then uh, the Lord God describes in verses 22 through 31, the anointing oil and how it was made and what it was to be used for, for sanctification and also for consecration. And then finally, in verses 34 through 8, he, the Lord God describes the incense and how it was to be used and how it was to be burned upon the altar and how that this compound of spices was only, and I repeat, only used for the service of the altar and not for personal use. And anyone who did so, used it for personal use, was to be cut off from among his people. See, that's very significant there. But I want to describe to you that the altar was a place for sacrifice. And remember what Paul said in writing Romans uh, chapter 12, verses 2, and uh, verses 1 and 2. He says, I, And I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So our bodies are to be placed upon the altar. Well, who, who is our altar? Our altar is Jesus Christ. He is our altar. Amen, praise God. And that's who we pledge. That's who we offer to. Uh, our bodies is a living sacrifice. Now, what, is all, what does that mean? Well, it means our flesh a lot of times doesn't want to do the will of God. You know, some of us here, maybe some of you listening to this radio broadcast, uh, you're called to ministry, but you're afraid to go. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Let me tell you something, sister. You better take that old body and you better, <laughs> you better make a living sacrifice out of it. Because once God calls you to do something, that's what you're going to be judged by when you stand before him. So we better get out there and we better do the will of God. And I understand exactly if, if that's you and you're hesitating uh, and, you know, and something's hindering you. I certainly understand that because God called me to preach at the age of 16. And, you know, I didn't get around doing that till I was about 33, 34 years old. That was nearly half of that time, half of that time from 16, amen, to 32, 33, that uh, I didn't want to do it. But finally had to had to submit finally had to yield myself, finally had to put my body on the altar as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's what the altar is uh, concerning our life. And then the shekel for the sanctuary was for each individual man. It was his part. Notice this. And honoring their tabernacle and acknowledging his debt to God who redeemed him. Now, that's very interesting because that puts an all different emphasis upon tithing and upon offerings. What are you giving for? Are you tithing? Are you giving? Well, no, I don't. I don't tithe much. Well, you need to reconsider. Amen. Tithing. 
Because in tithing, what are you doing? You're honoring the Lord. Read Proverbs chapter 3, verse 8, what Solomon tells us to do. Now, the labor also was a place of sanctification. It was a place of consecration, a continuing washing by the word, the washing of water by the word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. And the anointing oil was a type of the spirit of God. And it speaks to us of the Holy Spirit anointing that is not only within us, but also is upon us. And of course, the incense speaks to us of prayer and communion with the Lord. And now all of these, they're all essential elements in the worship of God. How do we draw near to God? We draw near to God with him in worship. And all of these elements, they speak to us of the reality of what has come to us through the new birth and through spirit baptism. Amen. So I encourage you today, if you haven't been praying, get back into your prayer closet. If you haven't been spending time in the Word of God, get back into the Bible. Begin fellowshipping with God. God will meet you there. He will meet you in your prayer closet. He will meet you in time of uh, Bible reading and Bible meditation, and He'll speak to you. Amen. Father, we thank you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.